People first organizations will win in the future of work. Your only real asset is your people. We, we all, all want purpose-driven work. work. HR-led organization is I'm sorry, but leaders don't lead empty desks and empty shop floors. Welcome to the People Strategy Leaders Show. I'm your host, Shri Chalapa, founder and president of Engagedly, and a serial entrepreneur in technology, films, and music. This is where we talk to people leaders, business strategists, and organizational savants about leading in the time of change. What is working, what is not working, and more importantly, what we should be thinking about. Stick around to the end of the show. We will reveal how you can be our next guest. And now, let's engage. Hello and welcome to People Strategy Podcast. This is Sri Chalapa, your host. Today I'm joined with Nikki Avram. Nikki Avram is a legal entrepreneur at the forefront of a refreshing movement in leadership and workplace evolution. With a distinguished background in employment and discrimination law, Nikki's career, career has been marked by litigating a series of high profile cases and establishing the esteemed Howard Avram solicitors. Her approach defies convention, challenging the established norm across various industries. Nikki firmly believes that by instilling a sense of ownership in our roles, we become architects of our own careers, steering our organization towards unprecedented success. Well, welcome to the show, Nikki. Thank you for joining us all the way from London. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. That's a really strong introduction. Thank you. And, um, you know, this is the this is the stuff that floats my boat. I, I love to talk about it. So I'm really excited to be here. Yeah. So you've been a obviously a lawyer, but you've also been an entrepreneur. And as such, you work with a lot of people and trying to get them to align to your vision. And one of the things that we were talking about earlier is this ownership culture, which you want to install in people in your organization. What exactly do you mean by ownership culture? Can you set the context there for us sure i mean it's certainly not confined to people within my own organization i founded a law firm 10 years ago with the vision that we would collaborate and do everything that a company needs i'm an employment and discrimination lawyer by trade the ownership culture that i'm I'm very much focused on is derived from my own journey as well as getting into the bones of many businesses that i've advised over the years and really seeing what are the issues with the workforce? How can we move that forward in a positive way that will also have social impacts mm-hmm. beyond our organizations and the individuals within them? So, you know, as a lawyer coming up in the in the legal world, which is a very conventional world, I mean, it still is, and very precedence-based, I took a very entrepreneurial approach. And part of that was driven by my vision on how employment and discrimination law could affect societal change. But also part of my motivation was, well, if I can build these departments in larger firms, which took a rejection of some of the traditional roles that were offered to me in commercial law, for instance, then I can work with agency, autonomy, to build these departments for the good of the firm, for the good of the clients, for the good of my colleagues, in collaboration with the organization. And that alignment of my own vision and strengths, alignment with the organization's vision, strengths and goals was was really powerful. And it meant that I was truly engaged in what I was doing. And that I felt that I had 
a personal stake in the success and the well-being of the firm. And coming from that and looking at the operation of other organizations, I just think it's so important for individuals to have control, agency, autonomy over what they do, over how they achieve the goals, their own goals, those of the organizations, as well as even the architecture of a job role. That should very much be a collaboration between the individual, the organization, how that evolves, how it moves forward. How do they want the role to change and evolve and transition? We need that forward motion. We need it for invigoration. We need it to feel significant. And organizations need that to keep everyone engaged and on board. Yeah, you know, the ownership culture is actually extremely important, not just from getting the organization to move forward, but it's also important from an employee and a person's own motivation, um, but also their own self, you know, worth and self progress, if you will, because you spend your best, and I talk about this a lot on my podcast, you spend your best time of your life at work, your younger years, you know, you spend your best times of the day, your daylights at work. And if you don't feel like you're actually doing something that you have some level of agency on, then really you're you feel like you have no purpose in that role. Um, so it is actually good for the well-being in many ways for the employee, which is why many people are so dissatisfied with their work, with their career. Um, and it's very important um, because as a society, like you said, you know, we want to evolve into a species that's not necessarily focused on making money for somebody else and profit motivated, which is important to move the ball forward, but it also needs to take into consideration the human element of all the people working in an organization. Um, how are we doing as a society in that in the in the last few years? I think there's been progression, you know, and with everything that's happening with AI, robotics, automation, you know, there is there is a need for that. And I think there is a recognition for that need because everyone has an appetite for it. It is, as you say, it's crucial for people to feel invigoration and significance from how they work. But also it's incumbent on organizations to cultivate that, to create space, even micro spaces when the processes are tighter. I think more can be done because it's a muscle that needs to be exercised by both individuals and organizations. You know, I've I evolved a lot as a leader from a kind of top-down leader to one that's an enabler, enabling people, their career progressions and enabling relationships onto also leading through inspiration and sharing our journeys. Mm -hmm. That top-down leadership where this is where we need to get to and this is how we do it, can make people feel smaller. And I think that association that some in leadership positions may have with their ego and that difficulty in separating that means that the danger there is that the people might feel temporarily invigorated by the journey and inspired by the passion of the leader, but with time, with time, they may get smaller. Yes. And yes. therefore, you know, that, pre that prevents evolution. Agility 
is so crucial to all of this. And, you know, much of my talk about smashing conventions and going beyond the precedence and not being shackled by what's come before, which is as well from my own experience, is about creating that space for people to move forward. Because if you're bound by the traditions and the precedence, and that acts as a barrier to moving forward, then there is too much of a confinement yeah, and an inability to move beyond that. So can you give me an example of where you actually saw this, um, where roles were traditional or bound by convention, like you said, and where you saw that change and what impact that had? I've seen it in a myriad of particularly professional services. So the legal industry is, is, is the first. It's so, it's so easy to use that as an example because it is, as many people might suspect, a conventional precedence-based industry, accountancy, financial services, all that is driven by, you know, historically, okay, how have we done it? What are the structures that have gone before? And questioning that and allowing space for innovative leadership mindset thinking means that, you know, we're not just bound by people's experience, by people's authority and the respect for that, it means that we can align all of the technical with all of the other things that go alongside that to enrich the organization and make people feel invigorated. So for example, you know, when we started our, our law firm, a law firm that we wanted to operate in a different way to redefine how clients were serviced, but also to reshape the way people were working. You know, traditionally people had looked at the you know, the, the high level universities, the technical acumen, mm -hmm. we sought to align that and to look at a diversity of people in terms of their professional journeys, in terms of their background, because, you know, that means that they can bring so much diversity of thought and experience into the organization. Um, and in order to enable that, you need that agility and you need not to be bound by everything that's come before and in so many of these industries you look at you know you, you speak to the recruiters speak to mm -hmm. so many over the years even within the larger organizations I was at and the question how much experience what we saw called post-qualification experience and what's the structure and, and, and that expectation that it's bound by you know what what all other law firms do it doesn't need to operate that and we can't stay relevant to today's society and economy with that mindset yeah so coming back to the ownership culture again you know how do you get individuals you know once you get them in these roles to see you know their roles as personal investments rather than mere responsibility because that's when you get the most out of them right right that's a, that's that's a great a great way of looking at it, personal investment because it goes beyond them being confined to you know the organization so to talk about people's career progressions what is the training and development that we can assist with and where do you want your role to go you know the trajectory the up that traditional upward trajectory is not something that is desired by everyone and not something that should be imposed on everyone. So where are your strengths? Do you want to focus more on the business development? Where, how do you want to align the technical? Where do you see that going? And it's not with a view to 
you know, expecting them to stay with the organization forevermore. If you take a genuine approach to enable people, people's career progressions and they see that and they feel that, then there will be that natural alignment. And that's not to say that we all work in silos, you know. We have shared culture in any organization. We have a community and that's so important, that social connection. But we look at everyone as individuals and, you know, not have that ignorance to where they want to go and how they might, might want to change it up. You know, change is so important in terms of people's career and their progression. That's why job roles need to change. And sometimes that's a sideways change. You know, it doesn't have to be, as I said, the upward trajectory. Yeah. The one thing we have been talking about in the HR profession and in general, the people strategy profession is talent mobility and gigs, internal gigs. I don't know if you've heard that term before, mm -hmm. uh, where you might have a specific role in an organization, but that doesn't mean you can you, you cannot go and do something else part of your time in a different department or a different function because it diversifies your your day, if you will, and your experience and also makes it a little bit more fun and challenging for your for your growth overall. And I think that gives a lot of reason for people to stay because they're not siloed into this one role that is structured and defined on, on a piece of paper and saying, hey, this is my lane, I'm going to stay in my lane and don't go outside your lane. And I think that's just a wrong way of looking at things where a lot of organizations are trying to get to that point of looking at the skill based organizations, which is another term that's been very popular these days. Yeah. Um, and that gives that sense of ownership. Like I can be here to learn and grow and not just get stuck in this one lane where this is the end all be all of my career. And the only way to, to go anywhere is to get promoted, um, but not think about it as the only way to, the other ways to grow is to learn new skills, contribute in other ways um, and, and make your work a little bit more challenging in a, in a fun sort of a way as well. Yeah. I mean, you're missing out on so much if you don't look at where people want to go, what are the strengths, what are their preferences. The entrepreneurial mindset that I brought to the legal industry might not sound radical now, you know, but it was not the done thing as a lawyer to go out there and focus on business development, bringing clients in and to want to align my technical, my lawyering, fighting cases with all of that. But it brought so much and I've seen it in others in others that I've worked with, it is so enriching. And it also inspires people to bring what they know from their own lives. You know, I've developed a leadership lesson series and it's derived from, and it can be derived from everyone's experiences, people that we've been inspired by, places that we've been to. So the first of the leadership lesson series and how it started, my, my family's from Cyprus, Greek Cypriot. And it just went back to, if I, I, I reflected back on my entry into the workforce, how had I looked at it? Well, you know, when we had people around, and this might sound bizarre, marrying the two, but when we had people around to our house on a Sunday, we had an abundance of food, not in an opulent way, but, you know, we wanted to present the best version of our home to everyone that came. And we would you know, sacrifice the, the bedding if they were going to stay over and sleep on the floor for them to have the best beds in the house. We wanted to present the best version of our home and we wanted them to feel cherished and truly welcomed. That's about applying the principles of hospitality to work, leadership, culture, and how 
how do you activate that? How do people do that? Well, the only way is if they feel that they have a personal stake in the success and the well-being of the organization, a belonging, and that they're making a, a real contribution. And then when someone comes to them, they're providing a service, they want them to feel cherished and welcomed, clients, colleagues, everyone. And, you know, that's, that is is so very important. And we can all do that. So when I've I've spoken at various universities in the in the UK to young people that haven't necessarily yet entered into the workforce, they might have, might have done a work experience or a sandwich year. How can they understand an entrepreneurial or a leadership mindset without having occupied a boss position? Right. And would they really envisage that when they first enter the workforce? Well, the way that they understand that is to focus on the really sort of the human traits that we can bring in. And we all have that from our own experiences. Leadership lessons can be gleaned from anywhere. And I've taken that from so many places and so many people and so many experiences. Yeah. And if we talk about the entrepreneurship culture, you know, the one that is not talked about as much is entrepreneurship in the organization where you act like an entrepreneur inside the organization. There's not you don't always have to go out and start a new business or a new company. In fact, it's a lot harder to do it and less impactful uh, for ma- in many cases because you don't have the access to the resources and the team to make that level of impact. Uh, and, it, and you may never get there or you might get there, you know, depending on how, how successful you are and how much drive you get uh, to get there. But within the organization you're in, you can actually make a lot of impact by taking entrepreneurship um, experience because people leaders want that as a leader you're like oh my gosh i finally have people who actually want to take ownership and lead and come up with innovation and take some risks because otherwise it's always on the shoulder of the leader to take that risk or take that next leap because world is changing you can't just have uh, all the decisions being made at the top because they don't always know what's going on in the ground because they're sometimes so disconnected from what's going on in the on, on the on the front front lines of the work of the organization interacting with the customers for example right and i think it entrepreneurship intrapreneurship culture can only happen when you have ownership mindset and in 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 your employees and that allow that requires the leaders to provide a level of psychological safety as well where it's okay to fail once in a while and as long as the failure is not fatal um, to the organization and it's okay and not only okay it's actually encouraged to take some risks because without risks there's no innovation otherwise it wouldn't be called innovation right 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 um and it's so you know the entrepreneurial journey exactly as you say does not have to begin from someone starting a company or someone you know coming up with a great idea you know my entrepreneurial journey started way before my own organization and in fact you know lots of people start businesses whether it's restaurants or accountancy firms or law firms and they don't have they don't necessarily have that entrepreneurial vision or mindset they're looking at okay how do I do this in a way that just replicates what I've come from and carries on the industry practices By the same token, just because we're in a conventional industry or in a big organization or in a mid-sized organization doesn't mean we can't switch on that mindset and agreed, you know, the organization has to do everything possible to create that space 
and safe space. And it's not so much permission, but have that dialogue and that ease with which people feel that they can experiment to an extent and innovate and have ideas that are implemented. You know, if, if they're good ideas, have that space. And mm-hmm. however you do that in terms of the daily practices and even the simple things like, you know, the, the meetings, having regular meetings uh, to talk about just things outside that sphere of your immediate, your daily, all of those little things that enable people to feel belonging, space, safe, will, will benefit any, any organization. Yeah, so what are some of the, I'm sure you're talking to a lot of leaders, a lot of organizations as you consult with them and help them. What are some of the uh, steps a leader can take to make sure they're building this ownership mindset in their organization? Well, you know, the first thing, as I said, is is to is to resist the urge to be bound by what's come before. And I say that repeatedly because it's so easy to fall into that that comfort of, okay, this is how we make well, this is how we improve the bottom line. And I know the formula that can be applied. And that means you start to operate and organize your operations and your resources in a way that that just doesn't allow that space for people to bring their own and to innovate. So the first thing is to question what's come before. For example, you know, someone that comes in and they're, you know, maybe they've got two years experience. And a lot of people will ask, a lot of, you know, particularly those with that perhaps haven't been in the workforce for a, a, a great deal of time, where should I be by the time I'm at this stage? What level, you know, what level do I have to be when I'm this many years? And I always reject that question. Where do you want to be? Because there's no rules that say you can't do this, this. You can't manage. You can't business develop from day one. So the first thing is to look at what you need to leave behind from some of what's come before. Some of it will be valuable and you need to retain mm-hmm. it. This is not to say we put everything in the trash, you know. Uh, and the 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 other thing is that, you know, as, as organizations and leaders, we remain open, have a shared culture and shared goals, but we remain open so that, you know, the lines aren't so confining to individuals. And that means everything. That means in terms of, you know, the evolution of job roles, the architecture of that, how tasks are performed in order to get to a certain end game. All yeah. of that needs to needs to be left open. And another thing I really promote in terms of life and work, actually, is that encouragement for people to operate outside their direct comfort zone. I call it preferred discomfort, as in, you know, not wanting to say to everyone, you have, you need to do this when they don't, when they completely don't want to do it. That that is just not them. But you know, when there's something that people feel potentially thrilled by, they're on the precipice of something, but it is uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. On the other mm-hmm. hand, they know if they go there and they push through it, it will lead to growth and invigoration. And that only happens when people feel that there is that there is space and that they can push a little and they can try a little and they can move to the side a little outside their their central role. The encouragement of the training and development and going 
outside, above, below of their immediate day-to-day. Those preferred discomforts are so important. They lead to our growth. They lead to the forward motion, trying something new that's slightly outside the comfort zone is so important. Um, and and we all we all need to experiment with that. Yeah, I think the important thing here is to know and feel like the leaders leaders in your organization have get, have got your back, right? Yeah. And a lot of people, <clears throat> you know, especially, um, you know, when you have gender differences, there are people who are overconfident and will do it, even if they are not capable. You know, sometimes we confuse um, confidence with competence. Mm. Uh, and some people just have so much confidence, not necessarily the right competence, and they'll do it. And some people have the competence, but not the confidence, right? And you want them to try new things because they do have the ability, or at least they can they can develop that skill if they try, but they are so afraid of being wrong or being shamed or you know or failing. You know, some people are just afraid of that and they need to be assured that, hey, listen, I got your back. You need to try it. You know, let's try this, because otherwise what will happen is people who are confident but not competent are the, the ones that eventually move on to the higher roles and more um, roles of leadership and other places where maybe they are not the best fit. That's not what you actually is desirable for the organization. What's desirable for the organization is people who are moving to their because of their abilities and the skills. Um, and not and not stepping back because they are afraid to take that take that chance. Yeah, you know, uh, in in law in in my industry in in law, um, I have a very a very honed ear in terms of being able to listen to what someone's saying and how they are saying it. Because you're absolutely right. You know, there is a barrage of people that will come and 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 talk in a very upfront, confident way. But if you really listen to the level of substance, it might, it may well not always be there, as opposed to someone who perhaps doesn't amplify their voice as much as, as the other person. But when you really listen to the words that are coming out, it is incredibly valuable and you see real substance behind what they're saying. And I've become attuned to that maybe yes. because of the industry I've kind of been brought up in, but also I feel that it's incumbent on me when I, you know, when I'm helping the team. And I've said enable before, but actually one of my favorite words is empower. When we empower people, it means that we are, you know, really, it's it's that real forceful encouragement. You know, I'm standing behind you. You can do it. You've got the t- tools and it's essential for us to provide those tools, you know, mm-hmm. so that they can be exercised and that we help individuals exercise them the muscles that they need to in order to, to move forward and into new roles. It's just it it's it's really incumbent on on every every leader in every organization to do that. And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't always happen. You know, imposter syndrome is something that is often used in a in a negative way way you know the connotations that you Mm -hmm. feel like fraud that you don't belong but actually you can flip that there's so many you know situations where actually learning how to 
listen to that voice that says that you you can't do it and speaking louder than that voice and using that discomfort to come up and do and invigorate and to grow. And I've been in lots of male-dominated environments in particular where I've had to exercise that and get beyond the imposter syndrome because I do believe that where we particularly where we are perhaps the only one of something in a room, that feeling of imposter syndrome can be heightened. So mm-hmm. we need to become equipped to identify that and to empower people to push forward and to say that, you know, your own story justifies your being here. And that is your blueprint and your uniqueness and individuality can assist that. Yeah, I, I love that your own story justifies you being there because that's yeah, because you are there, right? And so, I I love that love that uh, that mindset. Um, great. Well, I really appreciate you coming on on the show, Nikki. It's been a pleasure. Um, how can people learn more about you and uh, get to know you better? So uh, I have a website, Nikki Avram. It's just nikkiavram.com. And I, I would love for the, you know, the, the leadership lessons series and community to grow with people's own experiences. The leadership lessons from the Greek Cypriot kitchen is, is replicated in so many ways. Leadership lessons from Mumbai, where I traveled to address um, the issue of how are we going to shape the workforce of the future? That was about lessons of resilience. Mm-hmm and going beyond the challenges that come before and the, the unification that was there to grow and to prosper, but for and people's energy, you know, the unified energy there that we can exercise and cultivate as leaders. The leadership lessons from uh, the, one of the best pizzerias in Naples was really about um, balancing innovation with tradition. You know, it's a, the pizzerias that have been, been around for generations and the innovation of, creating a new uh, a new restaurant in in New York, new pizza stars, creating a new pizza base, was really about the marriage of both of those things. So it's an encouragement for everyone to share those stories, those leadership lessons, and also a, a program that I'm, uh, I've built around leadership mindset and future workforce is really a, a, around those pillars of ownership culture and agility over rigidity and exercising our preferred discomforts because it is a mindset that we can take into wherever we go, whatever the industry, whatever the profession, we can take that forward and implement that. Great. Well, thank you, Nikki. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you, Sri. Sri Chalapa here. Thank you so much for listening to the People Strategy Leaders Podcast. If you are a successful leader or a people strategist who would like to be on this program, please visit engagedly.com slash people strategy leaders podcast. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag people strategy leaders. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content to make sure you don't miss any episodes. Go ahead and subscribe your thumbs up ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team want to know more follow me on linkedin and twitter at sri chalapa thanks for listening we will see you next time and thank you to patrick ramsey sound engineer at kalinga production studios for recording and mixing this show